minds as to what this is really about. Luke 15, verse 8, short passage. Suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors uh, together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Loss and joy. Simple, not a complicated parable. I expect we could all explain it to one another in about 30 seconds. But then what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us here in this room? It's probably the bigger, bigger question here. So, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, let's ask a little bit of, let's see if we can get our imaginative uh, juices going here. Um, last week we talked about losing someone. And most of us talked about losing one of our young children at some point. And I contacted the social services after just uh, had a few. Um, but most of us with young children have had that rather scary experience of mislaying a child for a period of time. What about though today? This is not about a person. Well, last week was actually about a sheep in the early passage. But nonetheless, this time, what about a thing? What's, if you're willing to share it, the most valuable thing you've ever lost? And valuable could be in monetary terms or sentimental terms or whatever significance you have want to describe it. What's the most valuable thing you've ever lost or mislaid? Yes? Um, the diamond in my engagement ring down the sink. Oh, down the sink! Oh no! Did you ever get it back? No. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Somebody's, hopefully somebody's been blessed somehow <laughs> down the pipe <laughs> eventually. Oh, that's a horrible feeling in the air. What anything else? Something really valuable. We were canoeing home my wife put on her Sometimes later on in life, you realise the value of something, and you've lost it. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
family connection is so powerful. Yeah. Last year on holiday, I was uh, went out and do a little bit exhibition in the evening, just as the sun was setting. And I went out and found this ideal spot. Uh, Swap lenses in the middle of the field, in the middle of the field of Heather, in a ditch. And uh, got back to the car afterwards and realised my lens had dropped out after quick. And I was about 10 minutes away from the car, where I'd been, in the middle of this. I hadn't obviously had any attention to where I'd been or what I'd been doing, but I didn't focus on my own. So I just went the next half an hour in the fading light, looking for my lens. Eventually found it. Yeah. <laughs> what a relief! At the bottom of a ditch, underneath a bunch of hair. Okay. Yeah. No, okay. And you were okay. I was fine. sorry about it. You did? Okay, well it's on camera now. So <laughs> any more? Uh Sean. Electronic fob key to a building. A fob key for a building. Yeah. Like an access thing. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's awkward. Yeah, don't. When we were on holiday in Sydney, we'd gone I think Bethany was maybe 18 months old and I was pregnant with Leia, so I had pushed her. It's one, of, it's one of those moments where you're walking around for the day and um, we left the pushed her outside for literally a few seconds while we'd gone to take a coffee and um, came back and they'd taken our camera, the bag with the camera and nappies and something. Nappies and stuff obviously with the bag. The camera had the entire 10 days that we'd been in Sydney on film. So I wasn't particularly bothered about losing the value of the camera. We were a bit, but not, it was all the photos we could never get back. And we've never gone back. It's not like we've ever done any of that again. So it's just gone in the wind. The memories. All the yeah. pictures. Mm, yeah. Oh, it's now painful. I, I lost my wedding ring, which is one of those, I can really, not exactly, I don't know. I can kind of connect a bit more of what you were saying about your engagement ring. And I lost it somewhere in our house. Oh. And I'm, you know, this is, this is uh, how long ago is this? 20, 20 odd years ago, to the, the original wedding ring. Well, actually, I'll, this is a, a longer story, but actually, I lost the original wedding ring before we got married. Um, and, yeah. So I, I went a week before we got married, I went out and bought uh, the rings, and I had them in, in, my, in, my, uh, in a bag. I had a, a small sort of suitcase, the sort of suitcase that never had, not a suitcase, a briefcase that doesn't have a hand, you just tuck it under your arm, that kind of slim thing. And I had them in there, and I was meeting some people from church to go evangelizing. So I went down to Hammersmith, to Hammersmith Broadway, met some people to evangelize, and I was handing out some invitations and things like that. I was standing on a street corner on King Street in Hammersmith, and uh, King's Road. And uh, I put the bag down just, just literally behind, behind my, my ankles, like almost touching the back of my ankles, just as I had to move some things around from pocket to pocket and do something. 30 seconds. And then I turned around and it had gone. And they, they just disappeared, so I had to go and buy some more. But at least we hadn't got married at that point, like it was with the week before. And then I lost actually the wedding ring I got married with. And, uh, and lost that in Manchester in the house I lived in, and I never found it. I have no idea to the day where it is. And I used to take it off at night. I didn't like having it on my hand at night. So the next time, uh, then that year, we were in South Africa uh, for a conference, and, uh, and so I bought a replacement wedding ring whilst there, and I haven't taken this off for a long time. It's staying on this finger, because I just don't trust myself, not really. <laughs> This one, and you know, when we lose things, they have an emotional effect on us. As I think, as I asked the question for quite a lot of us, 
something very quickly came back to mind because of the emotive connection in losing something significant. And what are you talking about here? Well, with the, the kind of coins we're dealing with here, um, she loses them in the house, uh, loses the coin in the house, and these coins um, sometimes, when you got married in that culture, you, your dowry was uh, coins of significant monetary value, and they'd be sort of sewn together in a, in, a, um, in a headdress, so you'd wear them around your head all the time, on, a, on a sort of almost like a chain coming around, around your head, so it's part of your dowry, and very significant in that sense. Or you might wear them as a necklace. Um, and the loss of a coin was not then just a, a monetary value. I mean, it could be a coin in those days like that could have been a day's wage in its value, or it could have been much more than that. It could have been part of this woman's life, savings, for example, because you did have banks and things in those days where you would deposit coins. In fact, cash was very rare in, in that culture. Most people didn't have much cash. It wasn't even safe to keep it, so you would, you would barter and buy and sell things in that way. So it might be part of her life savings, is what she's losing here. Sorry to hear Barry about what happened to you. But you know, that idea of that's, that loss of something that you think you, have, you need, not only as a, an emotional thing, but as a, as a necessary thing in your life. You depend upon it. This is probably what's going on in some sense for her. So it's a very significant, very significant loss. And we, in the parables in chapter 15, we're going from the loss of a sheep to a loss of a coin, to in the next parable, a loss of a son, and in a sense two sons, but we'll, we'll come to that uh, next week. So the losses are getting very intense, we're going from one sheep out of 99 and one coin out of 10, to ultimately losing a son or two sons out of two maybe. So it's an intensifying of the parables as we're going through Luke 15. So what we're going to talk about today is how the loss get found, and what's our part in this, and what we learn about the heart of God. So the first thing I think that I notice in this is the diligence of the woman when, she's, when she realizes that she has lost one of the coins. She's very diligent. She searches until she finds it. She lights a lamp, which I've shown to you before, but this is a similar kind of design to the kind of lamp that she'd have had in her house. Not very big, you would think, with lights uh, very much in the house, um, but that's the sort of lamp that they had in those days. It didn't have bright lighting. So you'd have a small lamp with a small flame and you'd have to go around your house looking. And the previous picture that I put up would give you a rough idea of um, a, a household at that time. So um, we're talking about an area maybe this size. And in those days, in that climate, in that time, you'd have tiny windows like this. So there's very little light coming into the room. So you need a lamp even in the daytime. Um, in this picture we show somebody with a lamp very similar to what I, I have here. And it could be as dark in there as that even during the day, uh, depending on the weather conditions and everything. So she's, she's showing great diligence here. She's looking for one of these coins. So to give you an idea of the kind of coins we're talking about in that period, I have here a few ancient coins. Um, these aren't from the first century. These are, uh, the, the, these are reproductions, of course, but these go from the earliest one here. Julius Caesar, 44 BC, through to some dates in the 80s. So this would be typical 
of the coins of the day, not exactly the same, but similar, we're going to pass those around. This is, an, this is a coin from the 300s, which is, a, a, I believe, a from the 300s, um, um, AD, the time of Constantine. So uh, those are reproductions, but this is something that comes from that period, if you want to pass that around. Gives, gives a bit of an idea of the sort of coins we're talking about here. Very small. Very small, very dark. Silver coins, but they wouldn't have been bright silver. They'd have been dulled by time and age and wear. Um, don't know how old they would have been the ones that she had. But in other words, a dark, small coin in a dark room. Not easy to find, even though you know it's, uh, it's in the room. The ways to look for a coin like that would have been to obviously light a lamp like that and to use a broom. It wouldn't have been as light, that's outside. Uh, you use a broom because as you brush it against uh, the floor, you may hear. You wouldn't, it wouldn't maybe help you see to find the coin, but uh, you'd hear it clink. It might have been the floor of the um, house would have been lightly compressed dirt, but there may have been a few bits of uh, stone in there, a bit like a cobble street with dirt laid over the top. Maybe a bit, could have been like that. So you, you might even clink of the coin, even before you see it. Uh, you might even get down on your hands and knees, search like that, and to use a lamp the best you can to see what's actually going on. So, um, she seeks until she finds. She keeps looking until she finds it. She keeps going with perseverance until it's found. May I ask you, how does this apply to our own imitation of God in His perseverance with humankind? What does this mean for our outreach? What does this mean for the way that we interact with people that we hope to bring into a relationship with God? What is this picture? This picture of this woman seeking diligently for this coin. What is it? What is it? What strikes you about what that's teaching us about our attitude towards seeking? that which is lost, those who are lost. What comes to your mind? Perseverance. Perseverance. Can we just explore that a little bit? And that's right. What does it mean? It's right, but what, is, what does perseverance mean? Okay. Not giving up? Yeah, okay. What else? Well, I mean, practically for me, it's, it's not... You, you almost
It had power mm. to it. Leaving no stone unturned in yeah. another metaphor. Keep, keeping going in that sense. Okay, let me show you a little video um, which uh, I discovered recently. And this is about uh, a person in uh, one of our sister churches, this time in Sydney, Australia. Australia earlier. So uh, this video possibly will work and we can hear it. Let's see. Right from when I became a disciple, my desire was for my family to come to heaven. I became a disciple. In fact, my husband and I started studying the Bible with Mike and Terry. And uh, it became fairly obvious that Dave and I weren't on the same page spiritually. And he stopped studying with Mike and I continued with Terry. And so I was baptised on the 15th of December in 1982. I can't do the work of the Holy Spirit, man. That was pretty hard. Because <laughs> I'd really like to engineer it and have all of us to be close and um, I know a relationship, family relationship with Jesus, because that's my greatest prayer that one day their hearts will soften and they'll listen to Him. Mum was always a part, very big part of our lives, Mum and Dad. And so I'd encourage Mum to study the Bible with me or come to church come to Women's Days, which she did. She was always loving and she would want to please me and she'd come. But she would also have a few little uh, disagreements with Jesus. She said, well, I'll have something to say to Jesus on the last day about that. I said, I don't think so, Mum. I think you'll be facing the dust. <laughs> anyway, that was the end of that discussion and she didn't come to church again for quite some time. And so it went on like that for many, many years. That girl was a chair that time. Mum and Dad and I used to sit on and just enjoy the view. It's beautiful on a day like today. Gorgeous. Trees 
and I love it. I feel close to God. It gives me a fantastic feeling as we stand together in church and we sing and we hug each other and we talk about, you know, in peace like a river. Um, when she's crossed that river, she'll be waiting on the other side with Jesus. And my prayer, of course, is still for my husband and my children and their families to be with us. There's a bond, I think, that, that's grown stronger between us. And I'll say, would you like to pray, Mum? Oh, no, she says, you do it better than me. <laughs> but you do. Yeah, I'd love to listen to you. Oh, for heaven's sake. Yes, I do. Trust in the Lord and never give up. Uh, don't give up. Perseverance, like you said. Reaching out for was it 31 years, I think she said. And then until her mum was. In her 90s, 92. Gosh. I mean, I sometimes struggle to pray for someone for more than a few weeks. You know, uh, 31 years. Uh, maybe a good thing for us to ask ourselves have we given up? Not, not, I mean, we can't pray for everybody all the time, but you know what I mean? Somebody we kind of know that God's put in our lives for a reason. Somebody. We've prayed for with passion before. Um, last night I was at a 70th birthday party down in Wokingham uh, for a chap called Johan Ferreira. I don't know if anybody you know the Ferreira family, but Johan and his wife Sharon, they were in Bristol Church for a long time. They're in Thames Valley these days. He became a Christian in, in Johannesburg. And uh, his, his daughter became a Christian first. And uh, there, her three, three of her four children are disciples. And her husband, her second husband, and um, and it was his 70th birthday, and I went over and said to him, "How did you become a Christian?" And he said, uh, he said because, and he said why. He was a very religious guy before, and he wasn't open to his wife, his, his daughter teaching him or telling him much about the Bible. She tried, and um, she said, he said the breakthrough came when he. he he found out, he either saw it or he found out that his daughter was praying for him so passionately on her knees that her tears left a, a damp stain in the carpet. And he said, when he found that out, he said, okay, okay, I'll, I'll study the Bible. And he said, from that point on, the word just made sense. He just it opened his heart. And I thought, gosh, it's, it's not about the words of... of his daughter. It's about her prayer. It's about that faithfulness of perseverance in that way. And I, for myself, I think I need to reassess who am I? Who have I given up praying for in my own family, uh, in my in my old friends? This time of year reminds me of this because I started writing my Christmas cards the other day, and I started by writing the ones I would need to post, and those are mostly either my more distant relatives. Or old friends, university friends, even friends from school days, I still send a card to. 
And as I wrote the names on these, on these envelopes, I realized I don't pray for many of them much at all. But I would still count them a friend. So why don't I pray? So I think it's something, anyway, something that struck me for myself in this area. Perhaps there's somebody God's put on your heart to persevere with. Maybe that's a good thing to think about a little bit here. Um, let's talk about the joy for a minute. Uh, she finds her coin <coughs> and she is very happy and she gets her friends and neighbors around and they have a good old tambourine and flute and dance rejoicing. I don't know what they're doing there exactly. Um, but um, let, me, let me ask you to cast your minds back about half an hour. So about half an hour ago, the children were in here and Joe talked about the coins being all over the place. And then it was like, when he said, go, and they scrambled, right? Okay, what, what was noticeable about the approach of the children today? To the, to the seeking, to the searching, what was noticeable? Eagerness? Okay, good, thank you. Eagerness? What else? What else was noticeable about the way they went about their searching? Desperation. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yes. They were joyful. It was hang on the burden. Excited. Excited. Urgent. They were urgent, yeah, yeah. There's no order. It was not even planned. There was just no fun. Right. Yes, yes. It's not like they had to follow a protocol. No. Just go. Yeah, okay. Anything else? Anything else noticeable? Why why did they have such such joy? What was the joy? What was the origin of the joy? Eating chocolate, anticipated reward. Okay, anticipated reward. Okay, and why were they so zealous? As opposed to being, well, no, I mean, why were they so zealous? They were confident. Okay, they were confident they were going to find. Why? Why were they confident? They believed what Joe said that the chocolate. They believed Joe, and why did they believe Joe? He's trusted. Okay. And they trust him because they know him. Okay? They know him. They know most of the kids know most of us pretty well. And particularly they know Joe because Joe's Mr. Children, Mr. Children's Ministry person. I mean he's right annually, so I mean just you know, all of the kids love Joe, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? And because he's spent a lot of time talking to them and they know him and he's done classes and teaching and he's affectionate and he's warm and he's caring and he's interested and there's a relationship, right? There's a relationship which means there's trust and therefore when he says there are coins they don't even question it. They go. I think there's a lot for us to learn from that, isn't it? Isn't it? Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. He didn't say the harvest is weak, the harvest is thin, the harvest is practically non-existent. He said the harvest is plentiful, and nothing's changed, I don't think, from 2,000 years, right? And he also said, I will be with you. Yeah. He also commanded us to go to make disciples, because that's possible. Um, and we can talk about a lot, of other, uh, lot, lot more of the promises that he gives us. But it's about the relationship with Jesus that gives us the confidence that there will be joy at the end of the search. The joy doesn't become at the beginning, it comes later, right? That's what the kids discover. That's, I think that's part of it. It's anticipating the joy because we trust the one who sent us uh, in, on our mission. So what gets in the way? This is our final thought before we, we uh, move on here. But what gets in, what, what stops us from acting on the promises that the harvest is plentiful? 
What gets in the way? Nothing going in the way for the kids today. <laughs> Not at all. They ran around till they found what they wanted to find. What gets in the way? What prevents us from being a childlike in that sense? Experience. In what sense? Past, past hurt, past, past things that happened, you know, inside and that Disappointments yeah. from the past. Yeah. Okay. Right. Personality. Personality. Being more introverted.